Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is supported by the New York Studio School. The school welcomes artists from around the world to join the five-day virtual intercession drawing marathon entitled Drawing on Your Past the Mind's Eye with Graham Nixon and Guests. It's held from Thursday, March 23rd to Monday, March 27th. It's rigorous and immersive. The Studio School's legendary marathons present an extensive range of art-making strategies, comprehensive critiques, and inspirational discussions. Expansive first-hand discoveries in marathons propel artists to relate to drawing, painting, and sculpture as direct methodologies for understanding their experience in the world, the profound impact of which continues far beyond each marathon's conclusion. Visit nyss.org to apply today. Sound and Vision is sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. Golden Artist Colors makes the best acrylics, Williamsburg oils, and core watercolors, and you can find them in your local art store or online at goldenpaints.com. Sound and Vision is also sponsored by Fulcrum Coffee Roasters. Fulcrum makes amazing coffee, and you can head it over to their website at fulcrumcoffee.com and check out their subscriptions. They have an amazing variety that you could choose from and have coffee delivered to your house every month. Everything from light roast subscription to espresso, to all brands, single origin. They even have a sunset subscription, a jazz alley night subscription. It's a really cool curated coffee experience that can be delivered to your door. And you can get a discount by adding the code Alfred Studio whenever you check out from the website. Fulcrum Coffee Roasters from Seattle, check them out. Denise Trisman is a Chilean-Israeli artist currently based in Miami. Her work has been exhibited at Proto Gomez Gallery in New York, Wave Hill in the Bronx, the Hybrid Art Fair in Madrid, Penn State University, Latino Arts in Milwaukee, Level 3 Gallery in Chicago, the Bronx Museum of the Arts in the Bronx, Chuchifrido's Gallery in New York, Soho 20 Gallery in New York, and Proto Gallery in Hoboken, New Jersey, amongst others. Denise has completed artist residencies at Mass MoCA in Massachusetts, the NARS Foundation in Brooklyn, the Triangle Workshop in Salem, New York, Acre Residency in Michigan, Oxbow Residency, and the Vermont Studio Center, amongst others. In 2015, she was a fellow at the Bronx Museum's Artist in the Marketplace program, culminating with The Bronx Calling, a biennial exhibition at the museum. That same year, she was awarded a studio residency at the Elizabeth Foundation for the Art Studio Program in New York City, where she developed her work until 2019. In 2016, she created an interactive public artwork at Randall's Island Park in New York, commissioned by the New York City Parks Alliance and the Bronx Museum for the Arts. She earned an MFA from the School of Visual Arts and is currently a studio resident at Laundromat Art Space in Miami, Florida. Having lived in many densely populated cities over the years, Santiago, London, San Francisco, New York City, Haifa, and now Miami, her practices stemmed from and benefited from throwaway culture. Here's our conversation. 
yes, just whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I always like to try to. I mean, I love languages, so I try. I, to I know things. that I love languages too. I saw. I was recently hearing one of your podcasts, and I discovered that. Yeah. So, well, th so I, your background is is interesting. So you are. Was the name is German, but Israeli by birth, I assume. So no, I was born or in mixed. Chile. No, so I was born in Chile, okay. um, in South America, but um, to both Jewish parents, mm -hmm. and actually my grandparents were also, except for one of them who left Romania at the age of seven, but. The three others were also born in Chile. But the whole family background is Ashkenazi Jews from that area. like Eastern Europe. Eastern right. Europe, Lithuania. Like all these countries kept changing borders and stuff. Right, so right. I don't even know exactly what it is now. Um, Romania, Lithuania, right. um, Russia, Ukraine. I don't know. So how well, did the family end up in Chile? Oh, my brother would be better for that, to answer that, because he loves that whole story. But I don't know, I guess from my grandparent, from my father's side, um, there was already a rise of an, um, anti-Semitism in Romania when he was a kid, like, right. you know, early on. And I guess they, they all left before, before the, um, the war, for, right. thankfully. And from my mother's side, something similar, they got into a boat and I mean, this is something my mom told and I always told, I always joke that they got into the wrong boat, but he said my grandfather's side of the family, they wanted to come to New York, but I don't know, I don't think really this could be true, but my great grandfather was bald and because he didn't have hair, they didn't, like the boat came to South America. Something, I mean, it makes no sense. <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> a story. <laughs> but something like that, in the end, they ended up in South America. So, I mean, it's all good, but I, I grew up kind of wanting to move to the States. So I always joke like, you guys got in the wrong boat. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, that baldness or like your hair pattern could determine where in the Americas you land. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it makes no sense. I mean, it, yeah, <laughs> I don't it's, it's, think it's true. It, it's probably a made-up story, but it's fun to tell. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, family histories are so interesting because, like, you know, you get the the story that's passed down, but you wonder. I mean, I tell stories about when I'm a kid, and I'm sure it's a little different than my memory is. You know, your memory kind of molds things over the years into what you remember it to be, but it's probably. A little different you know and these family stories they must really it's like a game of telephone by the time it gets down to your generation it's probably like totally different oh a hundred percent and to be honest like i really have the worst memory i don't know what's wrong with me maybe i mean i they say you lose more memory when you have kids i don't know but i can't really i can't really say it's that but i really have like very bad long-term memory like you could tell me a story and then i'm like or like tell me a secret and like don't tell anyone i'm like don't worry i will forget i'm the same way and i i also think that it might have something to do with having kids because the sleep deprivation when oh, they're yeah. really young i'm sure i mean that did a number so but you never know if it's if it's circumstances or if you're just getting older 
You know what I mean? Like, because a lot of time after COVID, people were saying one of the symptoms was memory loss or like, you know, a, a fuzzy sort of mental state. And I'm like, could that is that from COVID or is or that just, just old. am I just yeah. getting old? <laughs> either true. way, either you way, you can always happened. find something else to blame, right? Exactly. Yeah. Genetics. It's uh, whatever, you know, <laughs> it is what it is, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, growing up in and did you grow up in Santiago? Yes, I was born and raised in Santiago. I, I mean, I spent my whole adult... I mean, I didn't even move when I was young. I, I, I went to, like, university back home. Mm-hmm. Um, not for art, actually. I did five years of business and marketing. <laughs> Nobody in my family is an artist. So I was always, like, inclined and artistically inclined and into it. But... Um, yeah it was weird for me to think of like I'm gonna be an artist artist so I thought of being a designer and in Chile it's like in Europe you have to go straight into the career like you don't have like a BA B something so you're like 18 and you basically have to like decide what you're gonna be right so um I didn't know I mean I was always a really good student at school and it, w- it was like why are you gonna be an artist you could be a doctor you could be this. and like no right. a doctor I faint with blood like whatever and then I went into like marketing like it's a uh, yeah marketing and business degree I never liked it but I decided to finish it and then see what I would do with my life and so I only ended up like becoming an artist artist maybe in my late 20s like yeah well were there any genetic secrets that like were your parents or grandparents or aunt and uncles at all creative in any aspect was there anything no so they always say like i don't i mean my brother's a lawyer my other brother's in business my mom is like in finance my dad is like a civil engineer and my grandfather um, started like a trailer truck company without uh-huh. having studied anything so he was creative in a way because you have to to start something out of scratch like he was looking for ideas he traveled the world came back started that and then my father is a civil engineer and he, I think he's pretty creative like he comes up with like solutions and stuff for yeah. I don't know even like home fixing but in a different way they, they're still very squared people and um, right. They're very supportive, but it's like, you know, um, more traditional paths in life. Yeah, so, they seem to have very utilitarian occupations. Yeah. yeah, so basically they support my art. They like what I do and they try to, but they're not uh, big understanders of contemporary art world. So basically they, they can relate to like sales or prices or awards. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, those are things that they can... Yeah. pretty easy quantify right. it's like oh, oh you sold good. the show there yeah you go. yeah, I get yeah. It. good work <laughs> exactly so and what is i would hope i'm hopeful but was the music situation growing up fertile was there music in the house were you a fan of music so no i'm sorry to bring you down <laughs> No, I was always the one. No, there's nobody in my family that comes from an, any kind of arts background. I mean, you lived in silence. <laughs> I liked music. I played some instruments, and my oh, parents. That's what it, so I that's was. It. I was always very supported by them. Like you know, they took me to like 
whatever art classes and i mean this might sound normal like growing up in the u.s because there's all these like after school and i mean i i feel like there's places like especially in big cities in the u.s that's part of like growing up like everybody does like an art school thing but it wasn't where i grew up it's a big city and everything but you know it wasn't like oh everybody goes to like an art class or everybody so i guess sports and things like that were more normal but I was always supported by them. Like, you know, I'm, I was like, oh, I want to learn paper mache, whatever. They would find somebody who would, t- like, you know, oh, yeah. and same with music. I mean, I never really got good at anything, but I experimented with instruments and uh, singing at some point. So, but it was always me. And they're like very supportive, but like, where did this child come from? <laughs> kind of. You're an, you're an outlier. Was your, um like, the grade school and high school experience was. Were you subjected to art class? Was that something you really loved? Or did you have any experience with like creativity in school? Or was it pretty straightforward? So in school, especially in high school, um, yeah, you could take some some like major, like extra hours and some like, I don't know, I took like extra art, like art major at some point and things mm-hmm. like that. And I really, so that's another thing. That's why it took me a while to understand that I was an artist I guess because I was not the kid that would draw from how we know like how you're supposed to draw I was not the kid doodling in class I was not somebody who would like could build something you know I was just like I liked it but I I didn't even think I was good at it and then when I was in in maybe 11th or 12th grade I, I took this art major class and the professor in my school was actually also, he was like a good teacher. He was teaching at a very like prestigious university also, art class. And he told me like in Spanish, but I still remember his voice because he talked a little bit like, you know, like <laughs> he was like, this is good. I like your doodles. But he said it in Spanish. There's a specific oh, word. Say, say in Spanish. They, I hear it. He I... said like, me gustan tus monos or something. <laughs> and I was like, what does he mean? And I'm like, really? Okay, maybe. So, you know, it was just like doodles and lines and kind of abstract something or color composition. And then I was like, ah, oh. so, you know, I, he kind of gave me a little bit of confidence, but not enough to go to art school right? immediately yeah. when I was 18. It was like enough to make you feel good about what you were doing, but yeah. it wasn't enough to make you feel like, well, I could go get a job and make a living. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Which is... A huge thing for going to college you know yeah parents want you to go get a job you know and and when you tell them oh i'm gonna be an artist they're like oh boy how are we gonna how are they gonna make that work you know yeah and i think that whole thing i mean i don't know maybe i'm overrating like growing up in maybe new york la or something where it's more like accepted but like in more conservative like traditional settings it's like harder you know like and, yeah like, definitely there's not even like such a job market for artists unless you're really gonna make it and again what's making it and let's not even get into that whole right, story right. but yeah yeah well and part of it is there's a little bit of privilege there you know like if 100%. you if you grow up in a really you know difficult situation and you you might not have the you know the resources to even make work or make art or there's not the classes and, and there's not a an environment that's you know 
um, doing that stuff for you, or like exposing you to it. You know what I mean? 100%. Like I grew up in a pretty, you know, our family didn't have a lot of money growing up in Pittsburgh, but you know, our school would take us to the museum. And when I went to the museum, I was like, whoa, what's the, you know, I, at that point I wasn't thinking I was going to be an artist, but I remember seeing all these paintings and sculptures and being like, wow, this is cool. Like this is weird, you know, it's different. And then it's that little curiosity seed gets planted in your brain. And sometimes that grows when you get older into, you know, oh, there's other levels of doing this or something. A hundred percent. Yeah. But you need no, the exposure, I mean, to- you know? Yeah. Yeah. So in that sense, I had it. So maybe it didn't come from the family, but it came from the opportunity to like travel and see other places. And I don't know, just I guess there's some somebody has to be the first creative of a family. And I exactly. guess maybe that's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. It's got to I mean, maybe that curiosity comes from you know the family or genetics or whatever but you know you do have to act on it you have to pursue it and you know and push it but there's a lot of artists who are great artists who are not like it was when you were talking about you know being good when like people seeing your work and thinking of like I mean when I grew up and I made paintings and I was thinking about art and school and stuff. It was more of like this fun thing to do. And for, I got, I think I got lucky because a lot of artists I talk to talk about this kind of like, not a fear of not being good enough, but just being very conscious that like, Oh, I'm not the best drawer yeah. in the class or whatever. And for some reason I just didn't care. Or I didn't think about it that much. There wasn't that much pressure to be really quote unquote good at it. So I was like, you know, I had confidence in being and just doing what I'm doing because I wasn't really judging it that much. I'm sure it's harder these days because there's the internet. Like you could see other people who are good at it all the time. I mean, I, you know, I just didn't have that, I think, which is sometimes a ignorance is bliss. You know, you could just go at it because you're not worried about, you know, the metric of it, whether it's really good or not. Oh, I totally agree with that. I mean, I'm, maybe I'm getting off the topic, but that makes me think. Um, I mean, eventually I did go to art school and we can go back to that, but not like a whole undergraduate degree. And a lot of my skills are either self-trained or from like a little class I took here and there or what I've learned from peers or what I've discovered myself. And at some point I was like, oh, I don't know how to make this. I don't know how to make a mold. I'm like, at some point I learned all that, but I, not to a point that I'm like, I'm again, good at any of those things. And I think that has made me the artist I am in a way, because most of my solutions come just from like trying to solve it any way I can. And I guess that's my work. So, um, I don't know well, if I it's think, necessarily on the same line of what we were talking about, but it may, just made me think of that, of the idea of like being good, not knowing how to do something. And ultimately, does it matter so much? Because you could hire people to do all of those things in the end if you're like a big artist. But Yeah. Well, I think too, I, it's a great point. And I think that, you know, I kind of, personally, I see it as almost like a scale, right? So if you don't, if you're not, if you haven't learned technical proficiency, like you haven't studied, say, drawing or painting or sculpting or whatever for years and years and gotten really good at the craft of it, then 
sometimes it's harder to make things look the way you want to make them look like or do things exactly how you want to do it. But you may be a little more free to just use your own authoritative voice, like what feels right to you, you know. Whereas the person who goes and learns the the academic side of everything and focuses on that to the extreme to where they're very technically proficient, I imagine you can kind of make more of what you want to make, like you're more facile, but then it becomes harder because your 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 own voice becomes judged on how you're making it because you have all these skills. Do you know what I'm saying? Are you like, like overthink a, it, or you could overthink yes. the process too much, or yeah, no, I mean, it might not work for everyone, but that that's kind of the one of the big cores of my practice. I think for me, like, I, but again, yeah. when I first like went to school art school I was kind of like embarrassed about it right and then I'm like no I'll just embrace it I don't know how to do things and that's what makes my art look the way it does right but that's the thing you end up really knowing how to do you like the way you do things you know what I mean so you may not uh, like as a painter myself I might not be an expert at glazing although I learned that when I was young like glazing you know, oil paints and making things look like Rembrandt, but I'm really good at doing things the way I do it, you know what I mean? Which is my own intuitive way that I wanted to make images. And you just become, you know, it's like someone who can't play every guitar on the neck of the guitar and isn't extremely facile reading music, but they get really good at writing their own songs, which is their own kind of feel. Yeah. There's something to be said for the um, limitations of that pushing it further in a way you know we're i'm basically just saying like i'm not the greatest artist so i'm just making an excuse for saying that it's valid <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm with you <laughs> <laughs> but i don't think i would want to be so gifted that i could just paint any way in the world because then i would be almost like you know paralyzed but because i wouldn't know which way to work or what's no, I yeah. hear you. Then I would be like, okay, what did I paint today? <laughs> you know, in a second. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. Imagine walking into, <laughs> uh, like if you're a musician, walking into a studio and there's every instrument known to man. Every guitar pedal, every drum set, every, you know, where do you start? <laughs> Sometimes it's easier if there's just one guitar, Less, yeah. a bass and a drum. And then you're just like, okay, here we go. You know? hundred percent. Although I wonder if people these days sometimes are frozen by all the visual stuff that we see because everything is out there that it's harder to find your voice because there's so much stuff. There's so much visual information, you know. Anyways, that's a conceptual. It's harder and it's also, I mean, it's harder, but also you maybe even subconsciously get influenced by things you just like see for a second. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think was it's thinking about the instruments when you said that I was imagining like making an installation and finding like coming into a room where like everything's been already like picked up for me and right. set up there. And I'd right. be like, ah, I don't know. I just <laughs> had that thought for a second. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so how did you end up in because when you finished school, I believe in Chile, you went to San Francisco, right? Did you did like a year stint there? Is that right? So, yeah, there were, like, a couple of years after school in which I traveled. I was, like, you know, I did, I, I spent a couple of months in, in 
different countries I took like continuing education courses language courses like just like I was trying to figure out what I I really didn't want to find like a job in what I had studied and I was just like trying to figure out life I guess and then I I kind of really got more and more into art that I went back home and I had like a little studio at the time I was painting I really just didn't know what I was doing now that I think but I thought I was good at the time but <laughs> anyways I was like I want to go to art school in the U.S. because I felt like that was the only way I could just really like valid like leave Chile which nothing against it but I really just wanted to go to the U.S. and and then like art school was like a valid path also for family validation in a way I was like okay I can't just keep traveling and doing this if I go to art school it's like a thing so obviously since I already had an undergraduate degree I wanted to do an MFA um, but I didn't have a BFA so I applied and I was obsessed with going to New York I didn't get into those schools I got into the SFI, SFAI the art school the art institute in San Francisco and also they, they did not take me for they said hey we like you but you're not ready for mfa why don't you do a bfa and we'll like take some credit it will take you shorter i'm like fine i went there i had never stepped foot in san francisco before i just went there like and everybody was telling me it would be like new york on a smaller scale and i was like oh my god what did I get myself into I, I really was not feeling it with the city like I prior to that I spent a summer in New York doing like a summer residency at SVA and I was like obsessed with the street the objects like all of that I kind of moving away from this painting that I told you about I was making some street interventions temporary ephemeral like I mean, I still didn't really know what I was doing, but I was like, okay. And then I went to San Francisco as a painter, but I I thought, okay, I'll take sculptor classes. So that's when I had an opportunity to learn a lot of those basics that I really did not have an idea of before. Mm -hmm. And one of my professors there was the chair of the sculptor department. And he's like, why, why are you in the BFA and not in the MFA? I'm like, well, nobody accepted, you know, he's like, well, you didn't apply to sculptor because in that school you had to apply to a certain concentration. Right. And then I, and then he said, apply again. So I reapplied and he gave me the letters. He got me in basically. He was the chair of the department. So I started my second semester there in, at an MFA program. So I was way happier, but I was still obsessed with New York. And my work had changed so much that I said to him, I, I feel really bad. You've helped me so much. I need to try, give it a try in New York. Like, I want to apply. He gave me letters and stuff, and I got in. And then off to New York for grad school. The SVA. So, yes. Which I think, I mean, given your travel experience and, you know, your history, I don't think it would be as much of an issue, but you know, there's always this idea that making art as a student in the city is tough because there's so much going on and there's so much competition. And, you know, you you wonder if sometimes if you're a little bit away from a city when you're a student working that you could be, I don't know, a little freer to just explore. I mean, that's probably incorrect, but it seems like you were just dying to get to the city because it was feeding the work. 
So when I moved to the U.S. also, I, I mean, I did not know. First, I did not know that it was going to be for, I mean, who knows? But now it seems like I'm based in the U.S. But at the time, it was like, I don't know if it's going to be forever. And for me, I saw it as like my two or three years of experience living in the U.S. So I really did not have the thought of like, oh, I'll just go to school somewhere remotely and then try to move to New York like a lot of artists do. So that's one, like on the more like, um, I guess, planning part of life. But honestly, I needed to be in New York to develop my work because, I mean, my work now has changed a little bit, but it really, really like my whole body of work started from being in New York and encountering all these objects on the street and um, being able to walk everywhere and really like making it making art be part of my life like as just like I'm going somewhere I bump into something I'll use it I mean I got to the point where I would this is ridiculous but like I would find some object on the street Maybe I was going to get dinner with you. I saw an object I liked. It was inside a garbage bin. But I was afraid somebody else would take it. <laughs> I mean, how crazy is that? So I would pick it up with me and walk with this object, bring it with me and like leave it by the door of the restaurant where you and I were having dinner. You know what I mean? Like, and right. then and then I was on my side and then I would pick it up again and take it with, you know, I mean, who else will take this object? Nobody, or maybe another artist. So maybe it's the fear of this competition that you're talking about in a way, right, right. but like, it was really not like, okay, today I'm gonna walk and look for things. It was just like part of my life. And yeah. I don't know, and I still miss New York so much. And I don't know if there is like another place that would have allowed me to make the work that I was trying to make. Like, you know, I said prior to San Francisco, I spent a summer in New York. And that's when this whole thing started. And then when I moved to San Francisco, that was also partially why I was like, I don't like it here because I, I wasn't finding the vibe and the things and that I would in my summer in New York. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you know, in looking over your history, though, I mean, you've done so many different residencies. Like you did the Studio Center in Vermont, the Oxbow. You did the Elizabeth Foundation. I mean, you were, you've, Mass Mocha. I mean, you were, uh, it seems like you spent a lot of different time in different places making work. But you're framing it as New York really informed physical way that you're making the work with your surrounding but then but then if you go to somewhere like Vermont how does that affect what you're working on so that's a good question so when I so Vermont was my first artist residency and I went there in the in the winter I always went I was always very scared to go to residencies and I would go for like three weeks or a month like I never did a longer residency like a whole three months somewhere else um and it's interesting because when I was terrified when I went to Vermont, I'm like, what am I going to do? There's not going to be... At the time, I did not even allow myself to buy objects. Like, I, I felt like I was betraying myself if I bought something, you know. Um, but I was like, I think with time, it's, I mean, that has obviously shifted into, like, an understanding of how to deal with ready-mades, even if they're not necessarily found I mean I, I had all these set of rules in my head like 
if a friend would call me to offer me something they found it wasn't it wasn't true because I did not find it you know what I mean like so I would say no thank you like people when we were at grad school were texting me photos like 14th street and whatever like a taxi bumper I'm like cool thank you you know at, at some point maybe a year into school I actually once at night time somebody sent me a photo of like some rug I really liked in the Lower East Side and I, I actually went to try to find it and I couldn't find it so I was like it's stupid <laughs> like somebody took it you know but um yeah so when I went to Vermont I was like it's terrifying what am I gonna work with over there and then I actually worked with snow because <laughs> it was fully snow so I made like a plenty like of a, that <laughs> yeah I made like a like some snow thing inside my studio it was pretty funny I still laugh when I think of it um I mean I was always still drawing and painting so I did things like that to have and I still do to have like something that I could you know know that I can rely on whether I found something or not and then I also did trips to the hardware store, like local, whatever, and not thrift shops. I, I hate those for some reason. I've never been able to use anything there. But like, you know, I started using other people's junk from this, even and there's like a small world in a residency where other people are getting rid of things, like torn canvases, whatever, you know, clay. It was fun. It kind of, it was liberating in a way to understand that I did not need to solely be a found like when you're in grad school you're something I don't know if you had the experience but like there's 30 people in your MFA this is the person that paints whatever still lifes this is the person that works with wood I was the found object person that could only play with found objects and move them around my studio if it right. makes any sense totally yeah and um it was fun, but it's a little bit hard. I, I feel like it's also liberating to understand yourself as a broader kind of artist. So all of these short residencies and many other moves in my life have brought me to where I'm at now. Yeah. Well, and you're, the way you're working is diverse. And it's, I mean, from an outsider's perspective, it looks as though you could be using found materials, but then there's other things like you're doing sculpture, you're doing installation, you're using like neon, you're using some materials that seem very purposeful and kind of like uh, procured and then other stuff that maybe is found and it's a combination of like manipulating them and then using some in a more organic setting. You know what I mean? It, it feels like there's a lot of different ways you're approaching this work. Yeah, especially since I got more and more into fiber in the recent years. Um, how did that happen? How did, um, how did that happen? So I was pregnant and, uh, well, there's a lot of my life that I, we haven't even gotten to, but I left New York in 2019. That was before the pandemic, nothing to do with it. I, I married my husband who's American-Israeli and he was finishing medical school in Israel at the time. So... I moved there with pregnant basically. And um, so we lived in Haifa, which is a very Middle Eastern city within Israel. It's not even like Tel Aviv. Um, and I was pregnant. I did not have art connections. I was not in a big, big city there. 
in terms of art and I had a studio at home and I just bought a loom. But how did I get into weaving? It was actually prior to that. In one of these residencies at Acre, I'm, there was a resident who wove and she told me like, oh, I think weaving would be good for you, try it. And there was a loom there, it was already dressed, which is the hardest and most annoying part of weaving. Right. So it was almost like, oh, it's a found object, it's a loom, I can put stuff in it. And I just went ahead and I didn't have any materials. I had a lot of bubble wrap and things like, cause I had, I had been making ceramics. So I bought bubble wrap to take those home and things like that. And then I had tape that I always have duct tape colors. You know, I had some stuff, I always have something. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll weave with this. And I started weaving with bubble wrap and found like duct tape and this and that. And then I made a piece and I was pretty satisfied with it and it went on a wall for open studios. And then I took it to New York at the time I was at EFA and I hang it there for open studios alongside with other, you know, found objects, ceramics. And then people were responding to it really well. And they said, oh, where did you find this rug? And I was like insulted for a second, like, oh my God, I spent all this time weaving this and people think I found it. But then I was like happy. I thought, okay, I guess it makes sense because then it feels very natural, like a progression from what I've been doing. So anyways, I, I never owned a loom while I lived in New York. I only did it at a few, like at that residency. And then at Masmoka, I went there to weave because they also had a, uh, like a special area for weavers. And then I decided to buy a loom. And when I was in Israel, I bought the loom and I got some, I had, I met a lady who was more like a weaver than a visual artist, but she really helped me understanding the basics of you know, dressing the loom and the, I mean, I have a specific brand. It's a Saori, which is a Japanese company. So it's like a whole philosophy about weaving and mistakes don't count, doesn't matter. Like it's not about weaving perfectly. It's about weaving with any kind of materials. And so luckily I was able to find that. And, and yeah, that's how I got into it. It seemed like the perfect medium to work with during this period of time of like kids pregnancy yeah. and not, it was not having home a studio, studio. Yeah, home studios yeah. definitely it's uh it's conducive you know it's not like having like a bunch of found you know stuff uh -huh, and yeah paints and all yeah. that stuff you can basically contain even though looms are serious architectural additions I mean, you know, they make them small, but they can be pretty big. Well, this one, this is was. great about Sayori. So they're portable, like they fold into something really cool. And like, they're not, they don't take over your whole room. You can open it and close it, which is cool. But um, yeah, definitely. And then it also coincided with the pandemic. But like, for me, honestly, more than the pandemic, it was more the life change of like moving abroad so having two small so i have not now they're three and a half and two but this all happened like it was a mix of pandemic moving home studio so i guess i i was like trendy i had the home studio before the pandemic came <laughs> i was ready you, for it <laughs> you saw the future yeah um would you so was it 
was it tricky moving to Haifa from, you know, because you hadn't lived in Israel before, you know, and you're, I don't know, do you speak Hebrew? Did you speak Hebrew in a home or was it just Spanish or, you know, like what, uh, was it like kind of like nice to go there or was it a little, um, not difficult, but you know, a little, um, yeah, tricky. challenging. Yeah. So I did. So Hebrew was a language that I'm, I, I'm slightly familiar with, but I I did not speak it fluently. Like it's, you know, it wasn't like learning Mandarin because there were words I was familiar with. But no, we did not speak it at home growing up or anything. Um, with my husband, we spoke in English, but I, I have a deep interest in languages, and I I was always like interested in in learning it so in terms of the language it was actually like cool like oh now I get to learn it so you know I got pretty good at it while we were there but now it's mostly gone and um, it was challenging because there were too many changes so it's difficult to isolate what presented the most challenge but definitely it felt very far from Chile from the U.S. I mean, it's far, far, even in time zone, like, you know, um, far from family, expecting a baby. So it was challenging. I I think looking backwards, if I had known that it was going to be for two or three years of my life, I would have approached the situation differently at the time we thought it was going to be where we were going to stay for at least 10 years i mean like let's not talk about life but let's talk and in the end we ended up back in the u.s and stuff but so now i'm like kind of melancholic you know what i mean i'm like oh i could have done this or that or this wasn't so bad or like (laughs) and there were a lot of nice things about it i met nice people and i mean i I like adventures like that. I used to be more adventurous in life, but now that I I have like the two kids and I don't know, you get more boring. You're like, I kind of want to settle down and find a place, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, as someone who's like, I'm so mixed that there's no like going home somewhere, you know what I mean? Ethnically. But I always wonder what that's like if you grow up outside of your ethnic home and then you go back to where you're ethnically from but you're culturally someone almost completely different if there's a resonation there like if you if it resonates and it feels like home in a way but you feel this confliction I would imagine because you don't really fit in because you culturally you've experienced something's totally different so yeah this idea of like home and where where am I from has is like always in the back of my Head because obviously I'm from Chile I grew up there my family's still there like I, I mean I used to go every year once at least and you know that's my pop culture that's what I grew up watching TV I don't know like language but like obviously being from like a Jewish background I mean like there's that to me so I'm not really like fully connected to just being like Chilean with I mean I don't have really anything any Chilean blood in me right 
but I do have the upbringing and all that. I mean, I do watch soccer and I want Chile to win. Like, it's my country. Yeah. Well, now we're not doing good. But, um, <laughs> I, did, but I consciously know. didn't ask you about football because because myself, I'm very into soccer. And you oh, know, I, cool. I run a youth travel soccer club here in Brooklyn. And it's a big part of my life. I played for and I, you know, when I hear Chile, I think of, you know, I think of soccer and I think of the players that, you know what I mean? And I was like, well, I won't bring that up. I won't assume. And of course you're like, I <laughs> no, love No, I love soccer. I'm a huge <laughs> fan. I mean, that's a big part of my life. And um, I miss it a lot being in the U.S. Because I feel like there's people in the U.S. that like soccer or when the World Cup comes or something, but it's never going to be the same. same. Like I, I used to go to the stadium for games and stuff and like, yeah, but really for my local, for my Chilean team, like I'm not so much into like the whole, you know, Spanish league or other leagues, but I do love soccer. But <laughs> what was I saying about that before? Oh, so Sorry, yeah, so there's that. But then when I moved to Israel, no, that's fine. I want to go back to soccer. I love it. Uh, when I went, <laughs> when I moved to Israel, I mean, it's a place I had visited many times. I have deep connection with. So it, it did not totally feel foreign, but it did in a way. Because being Jewish and being born and raised in Israel is a different experience. Right. And learning the language is exciting to me and challenging. But it's never going to be your language. I mean, even in English, I have that, although I'm pretty fluent at it. But... Sometimes I, I feel like there's things that I cannot express as I would in, in and not even in Spanish, in Chilean Spanish, you know what I mean? So like yeah. there's, there's a lot to that. But, um, and then like I, I tend to, I think now like, okay, so what's home? I mean, I talk a lot about New York. I feel like New York is definitely my art home. But it's not my home. Like I don't have family there. I don't even have a place to go back to now if, if I want to visit, you know what I mean? So I can't call it home. And now we've relocated to Miami, which is weirdly also home to me because my grandparents lived in Miami when I was young. So I would visit them every year for vacation. And I never thought I would end up living there. For me, Miami was like vacation, swimming pool, beach, buying cool colorful materials whatever you know and then suddenly I'm I'm there um but it's funny because I do think Miami also plays a big role in my aesthetic at least I said I would visit my grandparents from young whatever age 10 or something and I would always go to like the art store. There was also pearl pearl paint there. Right. And we would yeah. take a trip, and I would buy like neon tape and you know stuff that stickers like cool stuff that we shiny glittery whatever that we didn't really have so much in Chile at the time. And I would bring it back home to make crafts or whatever, but I didn't really want to use them because I didn't want to run out of them. So I would like really be like cautious about how much I would use of this tape or that and I feel like moving back to the U.S. obviously things have changed and now we do have a lot of that but I feel like part of the excess that my work has 
maybe has to do with that. I'm like, now I don't need to save it. I'm here. I can buy more, you know? As much as you want. (laughs) Yeah. So it's funny, like how it all circles back to Miami, I guess. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, you've, uh, you found comfort or it seems like you're comfortable to an extent uh, maybe not but you've done it so much as like moving to different places you know what I mean and making work in different places and it feels like you've also gotten comfortable adapting the way that you're working to your situation you know so you've become kind of um, responsive to whatever wherever it is you are and it doesn't seem in like a hyper conscious way it's more of just like reacting to your environment and you know and letting that shape the way that you're approaching what you're working on to an extent yeah no, I'm gl- I'm, I mean I think you're right I'm, I'm glad you, c- you can see that as a viewer but again it's probably not a conscious decision it's more like just navigating life and the right. situation and I mean I love making art and my art is playful I, I do not see myself doing anything else um but at the same time i mean we're we're people we have our life our problems our kids our whatever and i i mean at some point when when i was single and my own in new york i thought that was going to be my life and all i cared about was whether i got this or that residency or you know how how it works and and sometimes i get anxious because i I see a lot of people that are friends of mine that are still on that and i'm like jealous anxious but then i'm like okay you know it's just not you maybe it will be back like maybe when my kids are older i'll be able to do residencies again so i'm glad i got to do a lot of that i mean there's much more i would it's never ending right but i do feel like yeah, this moments of like anxiety of like, oh, I'm never going to be able to be that artist again, like going to all these openings and trying to get a gallery and this and like, you know, the New York thing that that doesn't exist elsewhere. Yeah, it's I mean, it's overrated. <laughs> I mean, I've been living in New York for decades and, you know, I don't even do I go to openings. I don't think I ever I go to my own. And then maybe and your friends, yeah. No, I wasn't saying. I mean, even when I lived there, I was not that kind of artist. That would. I mean, there are a couple that you could count that you see them on everything, and like they're being like very interested in the art world or very strategic or both. I'm. I'm neither. (laughs) You know, I love art. I love supporting my friends. I love seeing a good show. But I was not that kind of artist at all. But I do miss the freedom of like. You know, I got a show here. Okay, yes, I'll travel. I'll do. And now everything, it's like, you know, okay, how am I going to work it out? How am I going to make the work? Who's going to stay with the kids? Because my husband's a doctor and he's in residency. So even if he's right. supportive, it's not so easy. You know, and my family's not in the U.S., so that's an extra thing. So, but that's when I go back on perspective and I'm like, you know, this is a long life career. Definitely. Yeah. And, you know, it, well, how old are your kids? One and a, I'm sorry, two and three and a half. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're in boot camp. Yeah, but it goes by quick, you know. You blink your eyes and they're in high school. And how old are you, your kids? Or your I just kids? have one. He's, he's, uh, he's 15, so. 
Nice. Know, he'll be gone soon. He'll be out doing his thing. It goes by quick. So, you know, and yeah, it's and always changing. So it's yeah. like changing your environment. It's like when you have kids, your environment's always changing no matter where you are because they change so quickly. And, the, you know, it. yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a marker of, an interesting marker of time watching them grow so quickly, you know. Um, but and, uh, Miami's not exactly a middle of nowhere, unsocial, not happening place. I mean, Miami is like, you know, it's jumping. It's like a party zone down there. No, that's because you probably came for Basel, right? <laughs> I yeah, mean, I mean it is, I feel like Miami's nice in the sense that there's one time a year where, you know, you're going to get to see a lot of people, friends and stuff like for the art week. And there's definitely i mean it's not a city where there's no art but i do feel like it's i mean i'm also kind of new to it i've been there for two years and why do i keep seeing saying there because so now i'm gonna you're here and <laughs> no i'm gonna unveil can you say reveal another part of my story so right, now right. as we talk i'm sitting in my homes i have a home studio also because this year we've been dividing our time between Miami and a small town in southern Alabama so oh, what? yeah Alabama. so now so we're going back full time to Miami now in April and that's it but due to my husband's job this was a situation for a couple of months wow, so like yeah so that's been a whole other thing um you know there's always something good that comes out of every situation um, but it's been also a challenge to be back and forth. But so that's why I keep saying there. But I've been in Miami for two years. I have my studio in Miami. I go once every month and a half there to work for a couple of weeks. And I've met cool people and it's definitely changing from what I hear but it's a very different vibe. Like people have a lot of studios. Studios, maybe it's sim more similar to LA, which I'm not that familiar with. But there might be like, yeah, studios scattered. There's less like there's not that much of the concept of like the art community in the sense of like a studio building with thirty artists. Like it's hard to find. There's a shortage of studio spaces. People are kind of doing their own thing. And also the demographics are very specific and I don't necessarily fit them. Although I'm Latin American, but I feel like in Miami, it's a little bit more um, Caribbean oriented, a lot of right. the themes and art and like mine isn't, but it's fine. There's a place for everything everywhere. But I feel like it's 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 been hard to find like my crowd, like a, artists that I have that I can rely on and I do have a studio in a great space it's called the laundromat art space there's like 12 artists there but well, it, that's it, a good community I mean, yeah yeah that's but, more than I have yeah but they're the, <laughs> and I'm in Brooklyn it's like it's it's um there's less of like oh openings and everybody goes together there there's a little bit less of that but again maybe I'm I'm idealizing New York well, I think Still, it's the kind of thing, it's, a, it's the concept of it. Like, I can be here and never really go to openings or not do studio visits that much and still feel like everyone's here doing stuff. It's, like, yeah. psychological, 
yeah. you know, but I could be living in upstate New York, uh, much removed from New York City, and be visiting other friends who live nearby or inviting people up and being more socially active, but still feel really disengaged because I look out the window and there's trees and not buildings. You know, yeah, like you I think some it. of it's psychological. A lot you know. of it, yes. And also added to the situation that I, I mean, I have not gone to New York since I left and I'm terrified. I don't know. I think I, I will go only if I have a project or something that's going to take me back. Because I don't know where I would even start if I went as a tourist, just to like say hi and see shows and stuff. I'm, I'm like avoiding that. I mean, not that I can with the two small kids at the moment. So it's good. It's working out. I have an excuse. <laughs> but no, I mean, I love, I hopefully I will keep my connections there and go more in the future. But yeah, I think it, I have to break that like the first time I go after I left. Uh, it's not, it you can stop weird. by my studio. I'll okay. make it easy for you. It's e New York is like, a, it's like a glove, you know, old glove. You just come back, you put it on. It's just, you know, jump right back into it. It's almost like you never left. Yeah. Except for all the gentrification and new restaurants and all that stuff. And some people, I mean, it's funny. Some people don't even know if you, like some people still think I'm there. So whatever, I'm keeping it like, woo, yeah, okay, I'm there. <laughs> you should just put a, uh, a New York City virtual background on your Zooms and just pretend like, yeah, yeah, I'm right. I'm, I'm a little busy. I can't see you this week, but we'll, we'll catch up. <laughs> yeah no but i think it's psychological i mean i see so many artists succeeding or having shows or galleries or even at the art fairs that are not based in new york way more not even based ever. and not even based in like a nice big city you know so i think that's a good thing about exposure and social media and stuff these days totally. i mean you That's how it. you and I met. I mean, exactly. I mean, when I was at Skowhegan, this was late '90s, and Tom Friedman was there as one of the, the teachers, or you know, and uh, you know, we got to know. I got to know him. We were sharing electronic music and stuff, and you learned it like, oh, he lives in the middle of like Massachusetts, in the middle of nowhere, and you're like, oh wow, because back then in the late '90s, you think, oh, you got to live in New York, but he was obviously so well known, and his work was, you know, very highly thought of and he was showing that you know oh he can do whatever he wants but you realize if you make some inroads and you start showing or you have a community of people interested in your work it doesn't matter you can live anywhere really especially these days with the internet yeah definitely it does help to get a start by meeting people in a city i, I think there's just statistically more people around seeing your work but you know once people see your work and now with social media and stuff, it doesn't even matter. But, you know, it's it's uh, it's much more open, I think. And then COVID blew it out of the water because everyone moved out of the city. Not everyone, but a lot but of people. But there's a lot of people that are back, I think, right? I mean... A lot of, a lot of people what? Went back now? Or oh, yeah, definitely. And a lot of people didn't leave. But it did encourage some people, like, quality of life. They're just like, you know what? If they were on the, the verge, they're like, I don't need to live in the city. I'm doing okay move outside the city quality of life you know bigger studio yeah. bigger space less uh less parking issues <laughs> <laughs> um a couple things yeah one when you're working in a studio is it silence or do you like to listen to music or podcasts or books or what's your audio input silence oh really you're a silence worker yeah but not 
not because I need the silence. I just like I don't feel like I stay still. Like I, I mean, especially in my studio now. Um, like if I want to spray something, I go outside. There's like an outdoors area. I, I'm moving. Over. Like I don't know. I'm not like a headphones person, as you noticed. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, but, I think there's some around here. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm already, like, dealing with a lot of, like, I don't know, not thinking. Just, like, it's a very, it's almost, especially now that I spend so much time weaving, it's it's almost like a, some sort of meditation, really. Because I, I, you could just really get into it. And I don't know. I don't really need anything else. Yeah. I get it. All right, here's another one. Yeah. Claudio Bravo or Arturo Vidal? <laughs> or Alexis Sanchez. Just oh hairstyle, my. though, not playing oh, style. Oh, hairstyle. <laughs> hairstyle, Claudio Bravo. Okay, so I, that tells me a lot, because if you would have picked Vidal, <laughs> oh, no. I think it says a lot about someone if they go for that <laughs> hairstyle. <laughs> yes. Although he's entertaining, I have to say. He is. He is. And annoying. Annoying and entertaining. Right? Yeah. Love and a, hate. Yeah, exactly. Love, yeah. I will say that I went to Washington, D.C. once to see Bayern Munich play Barcelona. And I had the pass where you could watch them practice the day before. Oh, wow. Which was fun. And he, just watching him was hilarious. He's such a, a goof. and like, But amazing. He was like hitting the crossbar from like 40 yards away. Like repeatedly, so uh, it's a pretty entertaining guy. Yeah, I mean he he could be, but people in Chile love him. But people from our enemies in soccer countries oh, yeah, hate yeah. him. <laughs> it's he's that guy kind you, of player. Yeah, you you love having him on your team, but if he's on your rival, he's the worst. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, what's your local team that you like? It's called Colo Colo. Colo Colo. Yeah. It's the biggest team in Chile. You should definitely research it. Sorry, I don't know no, the domestic it's leagues in Chile. I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm, a CONCACAF uh, and uh, and uh, well, Common Bowl. Like, I don't know the yeah. the teams as much, like the local teams as much. I mean, I have a lot of coaches and slash friends that are Argentinian, so I know about River Plate and, like, you know, like I, yeah, I learned some main, of the bigger so clubs. But Colo Colo is the biggest in Chile. Okay. So it. now if they ask you which team you support from Chile, you have to say Colo Colo. <laughs> Isn't uh, Brian Cortez on that club? Oh, that yeah. Club? Are you Googling? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I pulled up Colo Colo. <laughs> As if I would have known that. Um, yeah, that would be random. Hey, they have nice uniforms, too. But that's where Vidal and Claudio Bravo came from. That's where they got their start? Yeah, that's like the thing. The, yeah. It's like, you know, a lot of those players, it's almost like if your best players play in your domestic leagues for a long time, you get to know those clubs as someone from outside the country. But if they leave kind of soon or like they become really popular after they leave. You yeah, know, you have like no I, idea where they came from and they were never going to be famous if they stayed in Colo Colo. So it's OK. I forgive you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Although the uh, the Estadio Monumental looks yeah. very nice. Yeah, it is. I've been there many times. If what if, a view, right? I love a stadium with a view of like mountains or something like outside of it. Yeah. That's so nice. Yeah. 
not like the World Cup. It was just like it was yeah desert sand and then gigantic <laughs> air conditioned stadiums. Yeah. Anyway, we won't get into that. So you, I, I think I know. I'm not googling. I swear I did research. Okay. Uh, not, like not at the moment, but I think you have a couple museum shows coming up. I hope I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I do actually. So I have one in in the Florida and near Miami. It's a it's like a city museum. It's called uh, Coral Springs Museum of yeah, Art. Coral Springs. So it's a very nice space and big. I'm very excited. It's that's gonna be in January 2024. Mm-hmm. And then I'm gonna have another show here at this town I'm at right now. So. Alabama. I met the, the yeah. There's like a small but very well run museum here. It's actually the only museum in the area, like for two hundred miles or something. So, it's like a local hub, and it's run by young people. I actually became friendly with the people from the museum because that was the only art community in this town, and yeah. I connected with them. And I'm gonna be teaching like a workshop next month. And then we got into a conversation for a show. So that's very exciting. It's that's also great. gonna happen in twenty twenty four, but that's gonna be um after After you're gone. After I'm gone, I'm just gonna but come see, back for that. Living in Alabama? Yeah, no. That, I mean, there was a perk there. That was a a big pause. Because, yeah, you would not imagine like the gallery art scene in Alabama's, you know, jumping. No, there's there's actually not many galleries and i mean this is not even like birmingham or you know like a big city in alabama it's a city but still counts yeah (laughs) no the museum is awesome Uh, honestly um they run it very you know in a small town like this the museum is like a main thing they run a lot of workshops activities for families schools and the actual space is nice and they bring in a lot of like floor like southern artists and it's it's gonna be really exciting to work with them. They're they're actually open to like a some cool like installation project and nice. that I might like they want something like fun and cutting edge like that people have might have not been exposed to here. So it's 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 very exciting actually to work with them. That's great. And yeah, and then I also in in June. That is not even you couldn't have you could have not researched this because it's not in my CV, but um, there's a prize in Florida. It's called the Florida Art Prize, and it's a by nomination and it's organized by the Orlando Museum of Art. So I got nominated. I just I knew that. Yeah, I knew it. I nominated you. No, I'm just kidding. So there's 10 artists and um, each artist gets like a section of the museum and I will be one of the 10. And then if you win, there's whole cash money there. But just being part of the show is already a huge um, honor. I'm very That's excited great. about it, especially since I was telling you, I have not been in Florida for so long, so I was kind of excited and surprised to find out and like curious you know you're always like oh how did they find out about me and like right. all that and whatever and that's not relevant but the show is so no it's great and it seems like you know you haven't 
been there that long, but you're already like, you know, doing stuff, moving and shaking. It's good. But again, it's really virtual presence, most of it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, because yeah, like no, people find work that way, you know. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Like, I mean, I'm not even that good at it, but I just post my work. And when I have shows, I try to post and it's annoying and we don't know how to do it. And we don't know. We don't want to brag. And is this too much? Is this this? Is it the right time? I don't care. I just go ahead and put yeah, something and you know like the the show at the museum that i'm having it was totally because they saw something i posted and then a friend of mine reposted it or whatever and i i, I mean it really i really think it it does something I mean, well yeah it's, i mean that's all it's always been that way it used to be people just you know a friend is by your studio or knows you for something and is curating a group show and then someone sees you in a group show it's the same thing really you know what i mean it's just word of mouth and then people find your work yeah, you know? and yeah, the the great thing about you know having kids and being older is you just kind of don't care, and you're like whatever. I'm just <laughs> gonna do it my way. You don't like it? Oh well, that's your problem. <laughs> you know, True. being comfortable in in what you do and just saying, yeah, this is the way I'm doing it. That's the uh, maybe one of the few advantages of getting older. <laughs> it's not the. Uh, oh, you're talking like we're so old. It's not the arthritic. Well, I'm probably. I would imagine I'm much older than you are. I don't know. You but look young. No. Thank you. I feel... <laughs> you no, feel old. No. Well, my kids are older than your kids. I don't know for what that's worth. Although I didn't birth my kids, so the, I yeah, have so to give you a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but, but Instagram is the best way for people to follow you and see what you're up to, Correct. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I try to keep my website also updated. What was that? What's a website? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, www. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I feel like Instagram's just like I mean, for most people nowadays, like, what do you do when you meet an artist? You probably like, oh, what's your Instagram, right? Exactly. I mean, yeah. yeah. Websites give you a bit more in depth into what they're doing and stuff but um i like instagram for like a quick okay face and work yeah, putting definitely. together situation and the website's always linked on there so it's like the whole package yeah um well uh the work is great and i'm um, really it was great to meet you and i'm excited that you've you know you're settling in down there in florida and um I look forward to meeting you. You stop up in New York. Remember, you're always welcome to stop Thanks. by. You have you have a landing strip into Brooklyn whenever you get here. To, Where where's to your studio? You. It's in Bushwick, <laughs> like right by East Williamsburg Bushwick border. So okay, cool. Conveniently located in areas that are, you know, near trains and stuff. Yeah, well, if I'm not there, it's because I haven't stepped foot yet. But trust <laughs> me, when I go, I will be in touch and. It's been so great to meet you. I don't know if I spoke a lot of stupidity, but I, I was just no, honest. Was no. <laughs> um, it's that was been great. it's been great to to connect with such a great artist. I look obviously I looked up your work, and um, it's very exciting that you put your eye in my work for this. Thank you. Well, I'm, I'm talk. I'm, so I'm glad you took the time, and it was great to talk to you. Thanks. Uh, likewise. Thank you.
Sound and Vision is recorded, edited, and produced by myself, Brian Alfred. Many thanks to the New York Studio School, Golden Artist Colors, and Fulcrum Coffee Roasters for supporting the podcast. You can support the podcast by leaving a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast, or spread the word, share it with a friend. Or you can pick up the podcast book, Why I Make Art, which is out wherever you get books. Many thanks to Denise for the conversation. Make sure to check her work out. You can find her on Instagram and down in Miami, having future shows coming up in two museums. So check out her work. We've got some great podcasts coming up with some interesting guests, so make sure you stay tuned. You can find out more by checking out the Instagram at Sound of Vision Podcast. Give it a follow. You can find out more about my work at Alfred Studio on Instagram or brianalfred.net. Many thanks to Michael Lovett for the introduction. And many thanks to you for listening. Thank you.